This is Will Montgomery, former Washington Redskins center. Yo, what's good, folks? This is Trey Johnson, the headbanger, yo. And you're listening to Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. Word. What's going on, Rally? How you doing, man? Definitely in a different setting here. Well, for those who don't know, we are at the team store, and it feels good being inside of the stadium outside of a game day. Ted, let's get it, brother. We've got Luke Braun joining us from the Locked on Vikings podcast. We really appreciate you joining us today, Luke. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Good to talk. Definitely, definitely. And we're excited for this matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. You guys are five wins in a row, six and one right now. And some of the news down here in the D.C. area is you guys are kind of the quietest six and one team in the NFL. What's it like being up there with obviously all the coverage and everything else going on? It's been a while since the Vikings have been over 500. <laughs> they hadn't been over 500 since 2019 going into this year. So it's nice. Um, nice to win. They are, I mean, you probably are more familiar with the giant season and this season has been kind of like that. There's, if you wanted to dismiss every win the Vikings had, you wouldn't have to work too hard to do that. You could say, ah, you know, they needed a double doink in London to win. You know, ah, the Packers aren't even really that good. Beating them isn't all that impressive. Like you could go through every single win and do that. Um, eventually they stack so much where it doesn't matter. But the uh, the Vikings are getting better every week, which is to be expected. You know, new head coach, new stuff. Everybody's learning something new. And they're getting a little more comfortable with it each week. So the the fraudulent nature of the early wins is going to become less and less relevant as the season goes on here. At least that's my hope. And then they add a huge piece in TJ Hawkinson. So they're really going to try to make a run at this. They've got a stranglehold on the NFC North. And let's see what this season can be. So what's the local news saying as far as the commanders versus uh, the Vikings? Is this Are they saying this is a pushover game or what's the spirit? No, not when you're four and four. I don't, I, maybe some people are, but I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I don't think that there is a pushover game in this NFL. Um, everybody's too tightly packed. There's a few teams like the Bills and Chiefs that are sort of head and shoulders above everybody else, but otherwise nobody is, there, there's not really the haves and have nots that we're so used to. There's like, everybody's a little flawed. But right now the local media is just talking about TJ Hawkinson. We haven't really moved on to the commanders yet. <laughs> We're all pretty excited about that. Yeah, I don't blame you. We actually played TJ earlier this year when we faced him against the Lions. The Lions yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see him again this week when he's coming, right. you know, obviously with you guys in Minnesota. And speaking of which, uh, one of our old quarterbacks is coming back here that owns a bunch of franchise records. It'll be the first time Kirk Cousins is coming back to D.C. or Landover. Oh, yeah, because the other one was in, in U.S. Bank. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's a Taylor Heineke revenge game, too. That it is. And Scott Turner, just because uh, Scott yeah. was obviously over there at one point in time. So there's going to be a, yeah, with his dad. a lot of different, uh, I guess, soap opera stories, if you will, that you can tie into this game. Has there been anything from a media perspective? I mean, Kirk has always been a professional whenever he's in front of a microphone. Has he yeah, said he anything? poo-pooed that pretty quick. Okay. I, I'm yeah, not he kinda, surprised. He's like, I'm not. I, I, he, his answer was like, I can't afford to focus on that. I, th there's too much work to do. <laughs> that sounds Which, like Kurt. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yep, he's a politician up there. You're not, you're not going to get anything from that. I mean, we just had some really spicy revenge game narratives from Arizona, 
Um, Patrick Peterson had a lot to say oh, after yeah. he had a phenomenal game against Arizona. So we do have some spicy revenge game narratives. I don't think we're going to see them in this one, though. I don't, I don't, I, it's It's been too long. It's What was it? 2017 was the last time? He, it's been like five years. Everybody's it's been a while. Everything. We still miss him here. I'm not going to lie. I've been yeah. watching all of your games and looking at all the film and wanting Wistfully. to send. Oh, yeah. Wanting to send a text <laughs> message to Bruce Allen with just a bunch of middle finger emojis saying, why did you let him go for nothing? I mean, it was just so unbelievable that a franchise quarterback like that, who here his stigma was he can't win the big one. You just let him go knowing that he's doing well for you guys out there in Minnesota. You got a comp pick, right? You got a third round comp pick. What did you do with that? I probably didn't really do much with that. and I, Didn't work out. Yeah, someone like that to let go of a talent like that for really nothing. I mean, oh. you know, it's no, you didn't pretty <laughs> frustrating. Canceled out because you signed case Keenum. Okay. There you go. So yeah, that, that doesn't really help much, but I'm hearing from some Vikings fans, uh, hundred percent cheese free. Obviously the guy that Randy Moss <laughs> would jump to in the end zone. He's a brother of mine. We're in a PFU FA together. And I hear different things from him and other Vikings fans about some of the same frustrations we had here in D.C. with Kirk, where he oh yeah, likes to pad stats and is kind of more about that versus, you know, 100% putting the game on his shoulders, on his back, and going for that win. Is it really the same narrative, or is that just kind of from a fan base perspective? I wouldn't say stat padding. Um, I think that's a different, like, accusation, but... Uh, Kirk Cousins, for most of the time he has been here, has been very overly willing to take an easy completion over an easy conversion, if that makes sense. that's That's mm -hmm. been one of my key criticisms of, of him, is that if it's open, if he can complete the pass, he's going to take that, um, and not necessarily being as situationally aware. I can complete that pass for this great four-yard gain. Well, it's third and eight, Kirk. Like That's the kind of thing that um, has, has plagued the Vikings for a few years. Um, I think he's been better about that this year. And what Kevin O'Connell has him doing is being a little bit more greedy. And, and I think he's, that's been a big note for O'Connell on, on cousins is like play greedy play. You know, that is a great, there have been times where he has come off a perfectly good completion. That would have been six yards on first down and progressed onward because he knew that Justin Jefferson would be breaking open over the middle on like a dig route and then hit Justin Jefferson. And, and now it's a big play, right? He's done that more often this year. And it's been really nice. Um, I mean, he's worked really hard on his mobility, his his pocket presence and stuff. It has been, I, I would say that Kirk Cousins has taken a step forward, particularly this year. But what you might, I, maybe that's what you're calling stat padding is is padding that completion percentage, right? Well, it's we, just like taking those easy ones. He used to be called cap and check down here when he was in DC. Sure from, is. And he gets through his progression media. so fast. Yeah, He'll come off of stuff really fast when it's just a little bit risky. But then at the same time, sometimes I think he'll get a little bit impatient with it. And then he'll start forcing too tight of windows, which is why I don't know if you've seen my Twitter. I have the Cousins chaos meter because he is a chaotic <laughs> presence. Uh, you know, with he can have a game like Philly where he throws three interceptions. He can have a game where he throws four touchdowns, right? Like there's a chaos to it. And sometimes he's captain check down. Sometimes he's forcing things too much. Sometimes he dials in that amount of chaotic energy just perfectly where he can have a game where it's three, 350, three touchdowns and you win by, you know, 20 points. Well, one of the things that when he was here that the fans were very upset with was that from the 20 to, from the 20 to the 20, he was golden but he just couldn't convert in the red zone or he would really? throw, he, yeah, he would throw a pick to a wide open defender. Is he still doing that with you guys? 
I know uh, Red Zone has been good, if anything. This year, Kevin O'Connell has been the star of the Red Zone. Everything has been free. So we haven't really had to try that hard. But there was one play, I want to say in Miami it happened, where he he found Adam Thielen on the 4-3 in the Red Zone, on the backside of the play. It was a really like calm, quiet progression in a not perfect protection either. There was a little pressure coming around. And he actually found that it was a busted coverage and Adam Thielen was wide open. So the throw itself wasn't uh, too hard, but it was, or no, he was, he, he had a corner in trail. So he still had to lead him a little bit. So it was a decent throw. Uh, but the progression itself was really good. I, I think Kirk's been nice in the red zone for the most part. Yeah. I'm actually seeing that you guys are 66.6% in the red zone this season. And Kevin O'Connell was someone that we, wanted to stay here we really wanted to keep him in the area but we've had so many coaching changes since then and I'm, I'm happy to see him succeeding in Minnesota I'm happy to see what's going on with him out there in the Vikings that he and Kirk were able to get reunited I used to do a tv show out back then at Redskins Park and would see him in his little makeshift office in his little closet that he created mm-hmm. and get a chance to talk to him every once in a while and he's just a very personable guy easy to get along with and easy to root for from that perspective and the fan base is kind of torn on him and one thing that I had noticed while we were kind of doing some research on this game a lot of the wins you guys have had this season have actually only one of them was against a team with a winning record and that was the Tuolus Dolphins at the time and I'm thinking some of the I don't want to say speculation, but some of the roared out there in the, you know, social media verses, the Vikings are potentially a good team, but they haven't beaten anybody good yet. But you can then again, only play whoever's on your record. And the fact that yeah. all of the scores have been, all the games have been within one score for the most part. And they're all pretty close games hmm. against lesser talent has there been any concerns of that in minnesota i that there's a germ of like the main concern there i don't really pay a lot of attention to do they did we win against teams with a winning record or whatever because what if that team had a really hard schedule and that's why they don't have a winning record after all when you're six and one you put a loss on six of your opponent's records what if that was a win would that become a you know that kind of stuff there's there's too much noise in it for it to really be significant to mm-hmm. me. Um, but the spirit of that critique is they aren't beating up the Bears the way you would expect a team to beat up the Bears. They didn't beat up the Lions the way you would expect a 6-1 and one team to beat up a 1-6 a, a team. Um, and I think that that is fair, that they, they weren't there. But that was, again, earlier in the season, and I think they're getting a, a little bit better um in terms of that but there's still a lot of inconsistency early in the season they were busting coverages left and right they were busting protections left and right they weren't communicating properly it was very clear that everyone was learning a new role the defense especially transitioned from the Zimmer 4-3 to the Vic Fangio style 3-4 that Ed Donatel runs that means everyone's job's a lot different everybody's reading things differently everybody's going through different um you know, decision trees and and thought processes that they've been used to for the last eight years. And that caused them, I think, to underperform quite a bit. And then they won anyways, and that rules. We'll take those, right? (laughs) Um, But that underperformance has started to wane. And I think they're starting to really 
um, actualize who they're supposed to be. How high that climbs is remains to be seen. That who that 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 who they're supposed to be might be functionally a 550 team, maybe you know, like a, a call it a nine and eight or a ten and seven team. But they've already won more games where th those lucky wins don't stop counting. So the way I've been saying it is, you know, through the rest of the season, they could go six and four for the rest of the season. That would be 12 and five in a division title, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you, the season's kind of already there. Um, but when it comes to you guys for like an opposing, an opponent scouting thing, um, I, I think you're hoping that the Vikings make a lot of mistakes over the middle of the field and on defense. That's really been the, the thing that teams like the bears and lions, um, you know, Skylar Thompson on the Dolphins took advantage of uh, was that they just haven't spaced themselves very well in the middle of the field. So the question becomes, can the commanders make those uh, those posts or those digs over the middle of the field, those chunk plays? Is that something that you guys are good at? If so, that presents a pretty big problem that the Vikings have struggled to solve. So one of the things that I, that I see with Kurt Kirk, but back when he played for us, was the commanders or the Redskins at the time didn't want to pay him the contract that he was looking for. But then he goes to you guys, basically the first quarterback, I want to say, that with a fully guaranteed contract. Yep. I, kn I know when he first started, you, there were some rumblings with him saying that he wasn't worth the money. Do you guys still feel that way? <laughs> That's It depends on which fan you ask, but that has been the debate raging among Vikings fans and media for the last five years has always been. Um, he also kind of got the worst guy to ask that because I, the, for me, the money has never been the problem with Kirk Cousins, um, because I'm one of those salary cap nihilists that thinks, look, whatever you need to make happen, you can probably make happen. Um, and that's not to say that the salary cap is a myth or anything. Like it clearly has an impact. You got to make cap casualty cuts and stuff. Of course, you'd rather keep those players, but it's more that the, the salary caps limits are a lot more stretchable than we think when we go look at spot tracker over the cap and we see, Oh no, they've only got one and a half million. That number is a lot higher than you think. And they've just got moves that they could be making that they're not making unless they have to. So you feel he's lived so up to his contract. contract. You feel he's lived up to his contract I, then. I just don't care about it. Okay. I, I think that he's, um, up, up 10 ish. He's been the whole time he's been here somewhere between the 10th and 12th ish best quarterback in the league. Personally, I've been a hater on that. I don't think that that's worth enough. And the thing I do care about about the contract is that it it doesn't allow any flexibility for making a change. If Kirk Cousins plays the worst quarterback you've ever seen for the next six games, there's nothing the Vikings can do about it. There's a no trade clause, and we're past the deadline. But even if we weren't, um, you know, the the money is too great for you to justify benching him, and you're not going to bench him for Nick Mullins anyways. Um, you're, you're not getting rid of him next season because of the, the fully guaranteed nature of it. Unless he waves the no trade clause. That's the critique I have. There's no room for options. There's no alternative to Kirk cousins. If you decide you're not happy enough with him. So they have decided we're happy with Kirk cousins. That puts a standard on Kirk cousins. I agree of, Hey, you are a market rate paid quarterback. So I'm going to expect certain things of you. I'm going to make, expect you to make certain difficult throws. You got to make a go ball down the sideline. You know, you have to be able to work the pocket when it's messy. I, we can't say you have to have a perfect pocket every time that your market rate quarterbacks got to overcome some pressure sometimes. And those expectations are where I think the arguments start to come in with Vikings fans that they say, well, you know, it's, it's the O-line's fault. It's the receiver's fault. He didn't get open, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but for me, I say, well, I expect him to overcome those things a little bit. 
I think he's done a good job of that this year. I, I can't say that about the last two years. I thought he did a good job in, in 2019 too. So it, it's hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, the the actual dollar amount is a distraction to me. Point is, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback for 2022. He's the quarterback for 2023. There's nothing the Vikings can do about that. And that's the context in which we evaluate this. We better be happy with it, are we? Gotcha. Yeah, and one thing that Kirk has been for you all is durable. And yeah, I think he's missed one start in his entire time with you all. And I think that was just because you guys were sitting your starters. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. What was oh, that? two starts. Yeah, two star- there okay. was one. He he. Re- we were resting the starters in 2019 because uh, we didn't. We were already in the playoffs, and then he missed a game last year with COVID. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, keeping that part out of it. Much I'm, different conversation. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you want to get into that. No, definitely <laughs> not. But I mean, here in Washington, we have had just a myriad of quarterbacks that have walked through our door since Kirk has left us, and actually, Ron Rivera mm-hmm. is averaging a new quarterback just about every four games, and. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's been tough. It's rough. And once again, we're joined by Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings. We really appreciate him joining us here at the DMV Mess Hall today. But, man, you guys have had a solid QB1 for a long time now. And we're on our second quarterback for this season. And I don't even want to count how many in the two-and-a-half-year Ron Rivera era. So a little bit jealous from our end, just from a win perspective. But – the one player on your team that I'm really jealous of is Dalvin Cook. I mean, what he and Madison were able to do last week against the Cardinals, I think they combined for 151 nuts. and two touchdowns. But yeah. his running style, just the way he hits those holes with that speed and that power. I mean, he's – and I don't want to say he's who I'm concerned the most about this upcoming matchup, but he's definitely 1B, if not 1A for me. If he's 1B, he should be 1B, if if not a straight two. Justin Jefferson's the guy to worry about. Sorry, that's... Jefferson. Yeah, and I'm sure you're, you're going to ask about him too, but... Yeah, uh, well, now with Jefferson obviously Thielen there and then adding Hawkinson into the mix, mm-hmm. curious how much Hawkinson we're going to see with him trying to get into that playbook and you know being able to run Kevin O'Connell's offense or... Mm-hmm. Is it something that Commanders fans maybe shouldn't have to worry about as much this week and your opponent next week might have to consider it? Right. Um, So Hawkinson was asked about this uh, as we're recording this like an hour ago. Um, You know, hey, how how are you getting to know the new playbook? And he basically got it last night when he got off the plane. Um, So still working on it. Right. But he also said, you know, football's football. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody runs duo and duo is a run play. Everybody Mm -hmm. has you guys run it. We run it. And one of the key things of duo is the tight end blocks the edge rusher on his side. That's just universal. So you don't really need to have like a ton of memorization to understand how to block duo. Once you've been in the league for a long time, I'm pretty sure they ran a bunch of that at Iowa too. Like he's going to be familiar with that. He's going to be familiar with how to zone block. Uh, They ran a little bit of everything in Detroit. So he's going to be familiar with some of those things. And it's just a matter of learning the terminology and memorizing and stuff like that, which if you work hard, you can get it. But I think my, my guess for this, and this is totally just my speculation, is a he'll get a package of plays and you'll kind of say, all right, this is what we're going to run with you this time. Here's a couple of zone runs, a couple of play actions off of that, a couple of duos, a couple of play actions off of that, maybe some 
downfield passing if we really want. Here's your package. There's like 10 plays that we really think that you can learn. And if you can learn these 10 plays and we're going to be happy with it, that's going to be what we choose from. And we'll run each of them a couple of times and you'll get half the snaps or something like that. But it's going to be, you know, you don't need them to learn the entire playbook and swallow it all in one bite. You can kind of fold it in 10 plays at a time until we've got a mini buy that'll come up after Thanksgiving. They play on Thanksgiving. And then probably by then, um, he'll have been here for a few weeks and you can call him as comfortable with the offense as he's going to get. But this game, I'm going to guess that it is a package. Now, how many snaps that turns into probably depends on the ebb and flow of the game. How many times do they want to go to those particular plays? Could be six reps, could be 25, could be 40. Um, but I, that's probably how the, how they will approach it. Well, that's at least some saving grace and some good news, maybe for some commanders fans over here that were stressing because when we faced them against the Lions, I mean, he only went three for 26, but he did have a long one for 18. And we do know that, you know, from past experience, Kirk being here, he did like going to his tight end. So when we heard that that trade happened yesterday afternoon, I was a little frustrated because we didn't want to have to see TJ again. But fingers crossed we can get a chance to uh, shut him down, at least here in D.C. I know you guys are hoping for other things there. But from a defensive perspective, Zadarius Smith is leading the team with seven and a half sacks. Mm -hmm. And last week he had three on a very elusive Kyler Murray. And Taylor Heineke is not Kyler Murray. So <laughs> he's turning this on at this point in time. Is Are we seeing a lot of stunts from your defensive linemen? Is it just... Oh, a, yeah. Okay. Yeah, a ton of that, a ton of... Daniil Hunter on one side, Zadarius Smith on the other, and and whichever way you turn the protection, the other guy gets a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, they did a really, really great job of uh, getting Zadarius Smith one-on-one. -on -one. The, the Cardinals had a couple of backup guys on the interior that a backup center, backup left guard, and Will Hernandez was the right guard, and he hasn't been playing very well either. So it was kind of one-on-one with anybody on the interior, and Zadarius Smith's superpower is beating interior linemen. So the question I would have, I have no idea who's on your interior, but who's the worst guy on your interior? The Vikings would probably try to get Zadarius Smith one-on-one -on -one with him a lot. And mm. if you deny that, it probably comes at the cost of leaving Daniel Hunter one-on-one -on -one with a tackle. So pick your poison. That's kind of the way that the defensive line has worked. Some team, like Philly, just like had the horses to deal with that, and they just couldn't get home at all. That was also week two. People still learning, reading, playing a little slower. Um, so I, if we played Philly again, like I don't know if it would go down the same way, but they still, like they've got a really good O-line over there. So that was part of it. I have no idea what kind of offensive line you guys are dealing with, but that's sort of the, the challenge presented, I, I guess. Yeah, from a offensive line on our side, the guys are not very good. We that's uh -oh. pretty much our, our weakest part of our team. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got Andrew Norwell, a ex commander. That's what we call them here, a former Carolina Panther and now a commander. Oh. He's and not doing well. He's not doing well at all. Our really? interior is not doing well. We lost our starting center. Chase Ruye mm -hmm. earlier this season. Tyler Larson is coming back from a major injury last year, and he's also banged up this week. Sadiq Charles missed the game last week because he was actually ill, not COVID-related. He was just ill. And Trey Turner came in, who was a free agent that we also brought in from Carolina. So our interior line is not doing well at all, and you're talking about being able to take advantage of those middle of the field throws that take some time to get there and our tight ends from that side of things are also not the best when it comes down to it we've got logan thomas that's still banged up no we're not logan oh he's banged up he's still a little I'm a banged big up stan. i love the the converted quarterback 
We do too. And speaking of which, we've got Armani Rogers, who's a converted quarterback that is also one of our tight ends. And we're just not taking advantage of tight ends that much in this scheme. And maybe that's because we've got, you know, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, and we've got speedsters on the outside. But for Commanders fans' sake, I'm hoping we get a chance to at least slow that pass rush down because, you know, seeing what you mm -hmm. all did against Kyler this past week, and I can't remember the gentleman's name from Miami who subbed in for Tua, but seeing Skyler how... Skylar Thompson, but Teddy Bridgewater played most of that game because Thompson got hurt. Yeah, and seeing what they were able to do and how you guys were able to kind of slow them down and still really win those games, it doesn't leave me warm and fuzzies leading into this matchup. And... It's only Wednesday, and a lot of things can change. I'm assuming you're going to go with Minnesota over the Commanders this week, but I'm just curious. What are you thinking for a score prediction and game prediction? So last I checked, the spread was Vikings by like three and a half. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take the Vikings to to cover that. Um, I don't know what the over-under is, but I'll, I'll take something like a 28-24. Uh, like go right, nice and right in the middle. Um, I will say, if you're looking for a modicum of, of hope, you seem pretty down. I'll give you this. DeAndre Hopkins got 159 yards last week on, on Cameron, mostly Cameron Dantzler. Anytime the Hopkins one was Cameron Dantzler, he just could not hang. And it's DeAndre Hopkins, right? But you got Terry McLaurin, who's certainly in the, the upper tier of wide receivers. So if, if you want to put Terry McLaurin outside on Cameron Dantzler all day, um, eventually the Vikings will be in a coverage where it's either quarters on that side or a man-to-man -man coverage straight up, which will leave Cameron Dantzler one-on-one -on -one with Terry McLaurin. There might be a matchup there that you can take advantage of. Of course, you got to block it up and, and protect for it so you can get the ball out. But that's if, I, if I'm going to guess as to what like Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, that offensive staff, are looking at, it's ways to find that, ways to get uh, Terry McLaurin either there or on Chandon Sullivan, the slot corner who has struggled mightily and find those man-to-man -man opportunities. I think what you're going to see from the commanders is a lot of Taylor uh, on his on his wheels because as mm. Ted said, our offensive line is is not the best right now. So you're going to see Taylor, I think, moving in that throughout that pocket and, and getting a lot done with his feet this week. Yeah, <laughs> we, and we don't like that, especially because it's Heineke and we let him go and it's kind of a sore spot, yeah. Really? Sore spot for you guys. Um, it is. So hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Taylor Heineke in Minnesota, but 2016, no. Teddy Bridgewater tears up his knee. You probably remember that, right? Yes. Um, Taylor Heineke would have been the backup, probably. Sean Hill was the true backup, but he was like 40 and they were never going to go into the season <laughs> with him. He starts one game and then Sam Bradford comes in. They traded a first round pick for Sam Bradford. Well, that first round pick turned into Derek Barnett for the Philadelphia Eagles, who gets a strip sack on us in the NFC championship, by the way. Um, and also a fourth round pick that turned into Josh Sweat. <laughs> so that trade hurts, right? And that trade probably doesn't happen if we have Taylor Heineke. The, the team was really excited about Taylor Heineke and, and the, all the stuff that he does is just this natural instinct that he always had. He had it for us in the preseason in those years too. But in, I think, uh, a late night, ill-advised he got his friend got locked out of an apartment and he tries to kick a door down oh yeah he tears up a tendon in his foot and he's out for the season and that happened before the teddy bridgewater injury so he wasn't available so there is this what if to us what if taylor heineke starts that season 2016 probably doesn't go that well but 
we would still have our first round pick in 2017. And with a first round pick in 2017 that the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have in 2017 plays out that way. <laughs> we play them in the 2017 NFC championship. What if we had Derek Barnett? Would that have gone a little differently? So there's a bit of a sore spot with Taylor Heineke, sort of a butterfly effect. If he runs around on us and throws a whole bunch of scrambly improv improvisational touchdowns, we're, we're going to be real frustrated. Well, I don't know a lot, but I do know that that will happen this week with Heineke. He does like to scramble. He does like to extend plays. And I'm assuming you all have seen that YOLO ball he threw to Terry to uh, end that game last week. So that, that's pretty much vintage Taylor. And he likes to react versus think. And I have a feeling mm. that we're going to have a lot of that, especially with that pass rush coming in here. But Luke, I want to thank you for joining us here in the mess hall. Really appreciate you taking the time, man. Appreciate it, Luke. Yeah, great time. Good to talk to you.